2: woods and water podcast
0: today we've got Nate you just won't you just don't do it do
2: you do what you just won't say with your hosts I don't, I don't like I don't like the way that sounds to be honest with I've you, I've given
0: you the reins but it's still hard for me to listen to I know just
2: let it go already dude but got Nate in here got myself Micah and we're joined by our buddy Dustin so
0: Dustin Williams
2: Dustin Williams with Habitat, Habitat Works. Works so we've actually had him on before it was one our earlier, earlier episodes, I believe. I
3: probably should have looked it up. It's been over a year. Yeah, yeah for it
2: was sure. Quite a while. Should have looked
0: up the episode number.
2: But yeah, he he came on with, um, uh, uh, Ryan Greco. Yeah, Ryan and Greco and Tristan Williams actually. If I remember, all three of you were here mm-hmm. at the time.
0: Yeah. Hey, move your mic closer to your mouth. Why well, you
2: haven't? A little trouble there. Is yeah. That better?
0: There you go. But, uh, so yeah, we got Dustin with uh, Habitat Works. You can say hi now. Howdy. <laughs> No Andy tonight, yeah he's he, sick.
2: He's sick, so hopefully he gets better. He he caught the Rona bug, so yep.
0: So hopefully he's makes a quick recovery. Yeah. So no Andy tonight, but um, got Dustin here tonight because he is uh he's smart when it comes to uh habitat, and so we're gonna talk about some habitat stuff, some stuff you can do in the the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into that show, we've got uh, two partners for tonight's show.
2: Yep, we got our buddies over at uh, Huntworth. Uh, Use them. Uh, Do we have code? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the same. So it's MWW15. Yep. If you want to save yourself 10%, which I do think. 15%. Oh, 15%. Sorry. (laughs) That's why the 1-5. Yeah. Touche. (laughs) Touche. and but uh i do think they have a 20 percent going on right now they do so, yeah yeah you know it doesn't, don't use our code dude. not like, yeah save the it extra, doesn't matter save the extra five percent it yep. doesn't matter to us you know but uh get in I actually, actually our
0: buddy nate stanton
2: yeah he's, he sent us a deal he just bought him some he's pretty happy with and it he got
0: a, a pattern we don't have he got yeah. their hidden pattern yep
2: yep i actually i used their uh cold weather stuff i went on went out on the last day saturday it was what negative five degree wind cold. chill it was cold yeah. really cold and i was comfortable the only thing that got cold on me was my feet and that's my own dumb ass fault because i ain't got winter <laughs> boots i had i wore i wore muck boots with some heavy socks that so, is
0: on my list for this year talking about gear yeah insulated boots i've yeah. never owned any but for whatever reason this year my feet got cold a lot deer mm. hunting because uh, my my boots are uninsulated. I usually just wear some wool socks, and I deal with it. There were several times this year that I I damn near got down because my feet hurt so bad.
3: Well, when you get on the ground game a little bit harder, you can move when your feet get cold. Yeah, like so. start. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I definitely – I got to do the same.
2: I got to get a little bit of – but I'm always scared, too, because my feet – I usually run hot most of the time, and my feet always sweat. So, I'm like, I don't want to get insulated boots because then they're just going to be sweating all the time. But I'm going to give it a shot anyways. Yeah. So, but – so check Hunt, our buddies out at Huntworth. Yep, um, great people, great company. Um, also Alps Outdoors. So if you need a pack or camping gear or anything to do with the outdoors, and that's hunting blinds. The yep, they got it all. So go it. check them out.
0: Alpsbrands dot com. Um, awesome sponsor of ours, and uh, you know, based here in Missouri too. Yep. So uh,
2: let's get into the show. Though. There may
0: be a teaser for later. Yeah, okay. I am just gonna leave it at that. All right. All right. So you don't have to do that. This this is the woods and water.
2: Well, Damn. yeah, we're just going to roll we're right We're just going to go
0: it. right into the show. Dustin is here with us. He drove basically an hour and a half to come sit mm-hmm. down with us. Appreciate
2: that, man. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate you having me. I yeah. bet Nathan will let you sleep on his couch. Uh, if
3: if, if, we if go you too really late. need to. Yeah. I was thinking about where I might be able to stop between here and there, but <laughs> you, maybe the couch will do.
1: You're young. You're young.
0: <laughs> uh, so, how's, I, how's it been going, man? Good. I mean, I guess I'm pretty good because you brought two things with you.
3: Yeah. I brought my... Uh, 21 bow and rifle kill with me today. Uh, got them cleaned up. Skulls are here for us to hold and look at and admire. Mm-hmm. A couple of public land bucks and just good good experiences. You guys know, most people listening know, if you shoot a buck, you remember that forever, no matter how it went down. Yep. So, just, and you know, I, relatable.
2: And I feel like it carries a little more weight because you did it on public ground. To yeah. Be I mean me and nathan are lucky and i don't do you hunt any private ground or do you mostly just public
3: we have one place of public ground in the city limits up there that we can hunt that is a shadow of what it used to be as far as habitat goes <coughs> yeah when it was purchased by the farmer now he took everything out uh <laughs> so
0: no more trees is what you're saying yep all
3: corn <laughs> no grass hardly any trees they still funnel through there but they don't hang around it's basically a, a corridor from a to b and uh so i don't really enjoy going there very much because i'm a habitat guy mm-hmm. um and there's not much of that left but there's uh, a, yeah i
2: guess do you consider corn a habitat or is that just a it's a cor- feature it's a feature <laughs> yeah. yeah so you like a little bit <laughs> a little bit more green yeah. and yeah all the other stuff
3: the uh the triangle is food cover water and corn is food yep. and when it's out it's not cover anymore either so it's right just food um but, yeah, no, public land is challenging. Um, these two particular deer come from a place that I know really well. And I've been hunting for almost 20 years now, so I've got it down pretty good um, as far as their movement patterns and stuff. But even in the past couple of years, it's been a lot more about topography and thermals and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, that one buck, my bow kill buck has an extra main beam.
0: Yeah, this uh, one
3: here. Pretty cool same as most public bucks in missouri go i have no history with either of these deer it's just kind of you go out expecting to hopefully see a buck yeah a lot of times not and a split second decision is all you have and that's the fruit of it right there is those two deer so i mean it
2: makes it it kind of makes it pretty nice because i mean think about
0: how much time we put into
2: Right, pattering one deer, two deers, whatever the case may be. But there's something really exciting about going to a place that, I mean, whether you've been there or not, going there and you have no idea what's going to show up. <laughs> you know, I have a – whenever I go hunting, I have a pretty good idea what could show up. Mm-hmm. You you have no idea if it's going to be a 110-class deer all the way up to, up to a 200-class deer. You right. have no idea. So that, it's pretty exciting, really.
0: And if you think about the difference – like this year, me personally, I was after one of, one of two deer, yeah. and that was it. Mm-hmm. It was those two were bust for me, and how much time did we spend on new stands and, you know, mineral and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, how many cameras did I have running at that point in time? You know, think of all, like, the extra stuff. There is something freeing to just going hunting, mm-hmm. and if it tickles my fancy it's gonna take an arrow yeah i mean <laughs> it's it's old school i'll kind of actually it's like kind of what it is, is and he's badass he's got like i said like you said this extra second main beam i guess you'd call it mm-hmm. and he broke off what would have been the g1 or g2 i guess on that main beam
2: i don't know how they do it <laughs> yeah
3: i don't know how that works beam. i don't know i've either. never
0: scored a deer like this one i can tell you that i yeah.
3: just measured all the length of everything in the circumference and went with that yeah. so and uh
0: but what he broke off right here would have been pretty stout, I would say. I would, would think, think it'd be six
3: inches maybe. Yeah. You would think. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very average. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean that's a stud deer right there, and then the rifle deer is a little bigger. And I mean just both are solid. I guarantee I would have pulled the trigger
3: on either one of these on public land, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome deer. Uh five days apart. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty it. fun.
3: The Friday before rifle season and then the Wednesday of rifle season were my two two kills. That's pretty cool. That makes it a, a And fun you week. made it
2: I mean we were talking about it earlier, so I'm assuming you and you killed both of them off the ground too, right? Mm-hmm. So you and you don't you don't mess with tree stands, you don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. So that that's another element thrown in there that makes it just that much more difficult.
3: Yeah, I used to used to carry that climber in everywhere I went. You know, it's Twenty five pounds by itself, you put your bag on it, it's about fifty pounds at the end of it, it's loud and <laughs> clangy, and yeah. I just decided screw that, you know. Uh Fred Bear, I don't know if you guys have seen the Ten Commandments. Fred oh, Bear's oh, yeah. Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. There's a couple of them that resonate with me and it's sit still, hunt into the wind, move uphill when it's cool, and mm-hmm. downhill when it's warm. Yep so high when it's warm, and, uh, only take what you need to hunt longer and better, and that, that was kind of what started the whole ground fiasco. How how
2: long you been doing that for?
3: Uh, about three years now. That's when, okay. Um, the last year, last season in 2020, I was hunting in the river bottoms in Kansas quite a bit, and they have a lot of straight cottonwoods and flat, open, easy walk, and I used my climber a little bit that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, but, uh. Other than that, mostly ground hunting.
0: Well, so. and we, we talked before recording. That's something that's really in, interested me. Mm-hmm. And I did a few times this year, which, once again, we hunt different stuff. I'm hunting private ground, but a small parcel of private ground. So I have the ability to hang as many stands as I want to move around that. But even then, you'll have these certain t- things that you notice with deer. and I don't have a stand over there. So I've I've done, I like ground hunting, the idea of it um like we talked about just because you don't know if where you want to be number one there's a tree worth of shit Mm
1: -hmm.
0: number two if you're on public ground and here's my i've never had this happen to me but let's say you go on public ground you can't cut tree limbs Mm -hmm. so you get to the base of this tree in the morning i'm gonna go up this one so you get up there sun breaks first light and then you're like holy freaking hell i don't have any shooting lanes mm-hmm. you know that's always like worried me is you go in there blind you get up and you're like okay i have zero shooting lanes i should have been in that tree five yards that way or whatever whereas with ground hunting you're a little more free
3: mm-hmm.
0: to if you did mess up in the morning uh
3: you just need you just get up and move five, shimmy ten over yard, five 10 10 yards or whatever it's you don't have a tree to ascend or descend
0: right now you did buy, uh, you did say you bought a uh, saddle, I got a I
3: got a latitude, uh, method two, I mm-hmm. believe, saddle. Yep, it's still in the box right now. Just got it, so I'm excited to get into to get that. It a shot. Yeah, our um, buddy,
2: our buddy Ethan, he he hunts out of a saddle and he loves it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm intrigued by him. I am, but I, I just think
3: it adds an element of mobility to being back in the trees that I would enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it,
2: if, it is nice, I mean, I I enjoy hunting out of a tree. Mm -hmm. you know just to get that you know off the ground i don't disagree and you can see you usually see a lot better right you know but then same thing you know you got to worry about shooting lanes and that sort of stuff yeah Mm -hmm. that is the one thing that's always worried me about hunting off the ground is i'm not a tall man which
0: i guess would help me Mm -hmm. from being on the ground i mean can you imagine a dude like andy trying to huddle up next to a tree you know six seven Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like What's that big freaking thing over there? Yeah, Yeah, we can get underneath logs and stuff. You know, at least I can, like, shimmy and, you know, (laughs) get into something. But at the same time, then, any tall grass, you know, I I would assume I would be having to stand to take shots. Yeah. And then you are moving, Mm -hmm. which I stand to take shots in a tree stand, too. I just stand. So I guess I'm moving then, too. But you can get away with more when you're 20 foot up in a tree. Right. You stand, you know, when a deer is... Thirty yards away from you on the ground, you really got to be ready to stand at the right time. Yeah, uh,
3: you uh, you learn very quickly about not necessarily mistakes, but like things you have to be ready for mm-hmm. on the ground. Um, you mentioned Farron Ball earlier. He always talks about like practicing your draws, um, mm-hmm. having an arrow ready. <laughs> like, don't be walking and un- unknocked if you're in a place that it might happen. Like, right. There's been times that I'm just kinda standing there kinda gawking at where I'm at and nothing's ready and here comes a doe in and before you know it she's right on me looking at me and takes off blowing and you always feel like your hunt's over. Yep. It makes it a lot harder to stay patient if that happens, but Yeah. Yeah. When you, in all reality it probably isn't over. Right. Especially
0: if it's two in the afternoon, you got three hours left. Right. It it is like, damn
3: it. Yeah. I'm I'm my presence is known yeah and uh, something knows i'm here right yeah so no it's it's definitely i think it has made me tremendously better as a hunter and so i am excited to get back into the trees and apply (laughs) what i've learned there Mm -hmm. and give myself another advantage that i've kind of taken away so Uh, you got that saddle did you get a platform with it i don't have that stuff yet i do have some i'm assuming you're getting yeah Yep. i'll get a platform and i actually thought about trying to modify the bottom of my climber uh, I bet you could Cutting it down And I think it would be Pretty easy to pack around Because it's already Kind of framed up And strapped yeah. up So that's what's cool
0: Is with like a saddle I mean you can put The saddle on mm-hmm. And you're wearing Your tree stand At that point Or mm-hmm. put it in your pack If you want to This I, I've never actually Physically seen them But the platforms You basically just Put in your pack mm-hmm. And then you got Your sticks Yep. which is really the most cumbersome part of what you have right and even then I mean a lot of people are, are going to the two sticks or not two sticks uh one two step
3: and eighters and, or
0: one and eighters or the two step sticks that are smaller I don't know that I would do that just once again because I'm short and so if I had four sticks that were two steppers I don't know how high I could get
3: yeah I haven't even uh, looked at some of that stuff either it's it's all new but I got the I got the rig you know I'm ready to <laughs> right. I'm ready to start learning and building from that.
0: Well, what you need to do is we need to get together sometime and mess with them together. Cause I'd like I, Ethan's even told us to try out his, yep. and we should. Yep. Uh, our buddy Nate Stanton again said the same thing to us. He's got a a saddle, okay. and yeah, uh, we just need to do it. I need to like steal somebody's saddle or go to their house, go to the tree in the front yard, and
3: be like, "All right, let's do it. Let's see how I like this." Yep, I work with an arborist in Kansas too. <clears throat> I really like to learn to climb mm-hmm. and with ropes, and there's things you can do hang loops up once you get your tree picked out to where if you do go back to that spot all you got to do is hook your climbing rope to that loop pull it over and then you're ready to go back to climbing yeah like an arborist which i
2: I have done that before i used my dad that's how he made his living through college was he he was a tree trimmer arborist whatever you want to call it that's cool and so growing up I was always helping him do trees and every once in a while I put the spikes on and climb up trees and stuff like that. So it, it's a lot of fun, but, uh, I don't know if I could get myself in that harness anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they but, make an XL.
3: I don't know if that's yeah. the dilemma or not. <laughs> <Burn>. no, it,
2: <laughs> uh, well, what was I going
0: to say? Oh, back in the day for about two seconds, I was in lineman school. <laughs> I regret not finishing, but I was in lineman school. And so I got decent at gaffing mm. and, uh, I know it's illegal to do it on public ground, but how freaking sweet would it be just to shimmy up with your spikes and you're just up there? You don't have to worry about carrying sticks. You just got those. I feel like Spider-Man. Yeah, just yeah. do Go as high as you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, if you know how, what you're doing, you could easily do it. I know you can't do it on public land because you're scarring a tree. Right. But I'm saying it would be a cool idea.
3: I think about that, too. Like, my climbing stand isn't the easiest thing on trees, either so that's true i know i mean
1: if
2: you think about it the same like i I used my climber a handful of times i'm like i'm pretty sure a spike would do less damage than what this (laughs) climber's doing those teeth digging in yeah especially
3: they make them ones that have like three or four different prongs on them so your weight's kind of dispersed a little bit it's not like you got one shank going right in right i don't know Uh,
0: i'll be honest i've never used a climber in my life i i attempted to once do you remember the the story
2: Uh, it was your it was your climber was it you don't remember this i don't know you have
0: remind me i borrowed it okay because i wanted to go run and gun and i didn't that was when i first started hunting and i you let me use it and you showed me how to use it in your backyard if you remember correctly
2: okay kind of coming together So
0: i took it and i went and i started using it and i got about seven feet up in the tree and i did something wrong and it fell messed up dropped and it stayed right at the base of the tree the rest of that day, and I hunted on the ground next to that tree. <laughs> 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 and that was the last time I tried a climber. Now, oh, yeah. it, well, 100% was my fault. I mean, I'm sure I did something wrong, but it scared the ever-living shit out of me, mm-hmm. and that was that for the day. And 100% honesty, I was not tethered off to anything. Right. I was climbing still, so uh, it was... Could have been bad. It was a scary It was a scary moment, and I was like, nope, that's the last time I'm using a climber. <laughs> and I literally have not used a climber since. And shortly after that, that's when I got into, you know, hang-ons and right. more of a setup I like. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's my, tell, my tale of uh, climber climbers
3: seat. right there. <laughs> but Andy uses his all the time
2: still. Yeah, yeah, he does use his quite a bit.
3: Yeah, mine's like 15 years old, and it's solid, like pretty light. It's yeah. an old... Uh, summit i don't remember the model right and andy's like an old man old man tree stand
2: yeah i believe so i don't even know what mine (laughs) is i got two of them two or three of them but yeah the one i use i don't even know but it is it's light but it's big like Mm -hmm. i I like a big platform and it's got a pretty decent sized platform so that's why i like it when i do use it Mm
0: -hmm. that's the other thing i just thought of that is a positive to ground hunting I, i remember you and i went hunting that's the day you shot that. Doe, mm-hmm. and then you just hoisted her over yourself, or was that a different day? We were together.
2: No, I, I shot that button. That okay, there was a button. We thought it was a, yeah, that, a, a doe, but yeah, it was a button. But I was
0: so you were in your climber, I was in a,
2: a ladder or whatever. Yeah, a ladder stand.
0: And I mean, no offense, it makes noise. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. getting up into a tree. Whereas on the ground, you get to the base of that tree, you need to get to and do what that's you it. need to do, and mm-hmm. you sit, and
3: it's over. You can walk and sound like a deer on the ground. You can't sound like a deer climbing up a tree in a <laughs> climbing stand. So. You know, climbing, oh, shit, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cling, <laughs> cling. <clean. laughs> yeah, so uh, that's the other thing. I, I think Zach Parambol <laughs> even says it. Um, you know, let's say you're 80 yards off a bedding area, and there's a, a large buck bedded. If he hears you climbing that tree, he may hear it not associate a human but it might make him change his decision on which way he's going when he gets up that night. Mm-hmm. Vice versa, you're at the same spot and you sit in the base of that tree and you know make some good decisions, and it doesn't. He doesn't even know you're there, right? Um, which I mean does make sense. I mean,
3: and in in that too, kind of kind of like what I said, you can't sound like a deer climbing a tree. Like a lot of times, and these guys do the same thing. You get to that tree, and the first thing you do is clear out all the leaves and debris and stuff. (laughs) And so you just sound like a buck making Making his territory evident, you know? And I almost, I got drawn back on a deer that was coming to that this year and it could have actually been that deer, but he was a long ways from where I shot him. If it was, uh, it looked a lot like him just big Oak tree. I got behind and there's leaves and Oak timber, obviously Mm -hmm. real roughly leaves. And so I'd scrape them and grunt and get myself settled. And it wasn't two minutes, after I sat down at the tree, that he come around down off of where I thought he'd be bedded, and I got drawn back, and when I uh, went to rat, it was a lot louder than I intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little I, excited. I think, you scared yourself? Uh, yeah, I think he had heard that before from somebody else, and he did not wait a split second and was gone. So
0: damn, that's cool. You know, this year was the first year I've ever stopped a deer with that sound. Oh, really? Really? I've they've always either either they've always either naturally stopped. And I haven't had to make the sound, or I did shoot a deer last year, that one right there. um, Walking. Walking still, because he was so close, I was worried about stopping him. Mm. He was five yards. Right. And so I didn't stop him. And we've talked about that one before, kind of a mistake. But the one I shot this year was the first time Mm. I've stopped a deer. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, when I stopped, I'm like, that was cool. (laughs) <laughs> okay shoot him yeah <laughs> you know oh he stopped it worked <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it worked because i was I, I was all nervous i'm like matt yeah <laughs> you didn't want to be like like you said so
3: loud that you're like well if <laughs> there you're hun- he goes uh, the thing is too like if you're hunting by yourself you haven't spoken any words that day right you just by yourself and yep. you know, like, that first noise comes out you don't know <laughs> what it's gonna what it's gonna be <laughs> you don't get time to warm up <laughs> like the pitter patter <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: uh that's too bad um Let's talk about some some stuff that you're good at. Uh, okay. You know, habitat management and It's January 19th
3: right
2: now. Well, mm-hmm. before that, I think we should get into your background a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So, I guess I could Where where did this all Where did this all start for you?
3: Okay. Uh yeah. Well, I got interested because I've been hunting forever since I was about 6, I'd say, actively hunting. Um but then I took that into college. Um Didn't actually start out there. Started out in engineering, and that lasted about two seconds like your (laughs) lineman school did. Did you figure
0: out that you didn't have, like, the I didn't want to do calculus and chemistry (laughs) and
3: all kinds of stuff the whole rest of the time I was there. Um, So I got into uh, fisheries and wildlife and uh, pursued a habitat management degree and got that done. Where at? Mizzou. M-I-Z. (laughs) Z-O-U. I just had to make sure people knew where you went to school. Yep.
0: But, uh... Yeah, so I mean that that was your passion. You you went to school for it. Mhm. And um I mean that that's what you do now. I mean, you
3: yep, manage you, habitat. Um I have a business Habitat Works <coughs> and I assist landowners in um setting up their properties to be the best that it can be for hunting. Um I would say that my strongest point is in the woods. Um my first jobs were all forestry jobs. Right. Uh so a lot of time doing timber stand improvement and Uh, treating invasive species and burning and those are kind of my what i would call my fortes you know Mm -hmm. um but i hold hold seasonal positions too and so i worked with kansas wildlife and parks over the summer this past year and i'm still uh on the roster i guess you could say this year kind of help fill the gaps and so do a lot of food plots and um grassland conversions and just maintenance because you get all the stuff that comes in that you don't want and this that and the other so we got pheasants that we man- manage for pretty heavily in mm-hmm. the river bottoms there just across from across from missouri over in kansas and yep um good pheasant habitat is good deer habitat so uh it all it all goes together makes um, sense yeah i mean
0: there's so. really not a lot of habitats tell me if i'm wrong there's really not a lot of habitats that are good for one animal that are horrible for others. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, especially what's not around a, here. Right. Like what's good for a turkey is pretty good, good for a deer, deer. Yeah. Probably good for a coyote too. Mm-hmm. Probably good for a pheasant. Mm-hmm. In turn, not good for a pheasant if it's a coyote. Yeah. But, you know all these right. different. I mean, I. Right. Yeah.
2: All blends together. Yeah. Makes sense. Speaking of birds, we kicked up a cubby quail the other day. Really, When we were coyote hunting. We did. Yeah. That's good. Was what? I? Was I there? Yeah. You don't Why remember? did I don't remember this? Was that one where...
0: Was I already depressed at that point? And yeah, it was
2: during the middle of the day. I can't remember which set it was, but we kicked up a cubby quail and I was like, holy crap, it's been a while since I've seen one of those. That's good. to read that, that I didn't see that. It was your buddy's house. Oh. We did two two sets on it. Yeah,
0: okay. I do remember that now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, scared the living crap out of me. Do you know how many were in there? If oh. I There was probably at least 10, 10 to 15, I'm yeah. guessing. You know, we were thinking about coyotes walking into our set and then... You know, you know that sound they make
3: whenever they take off. And I'm
1: like,
3: oh, jeez. I might have screamed. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pheasant's similar except for bigger, so yeah. it, it'll really scare you.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a great uh, –
3: it's a good sign. A great point. Yeah, and you can you can always hear the quail, too. But, well, I don't know if you, if they were calling that day, but a lot of times if you don't kick them up and you get to hear them calling, at yeah. least for me, it's like, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, know? yeah. So, yep, yeah. and Bob White's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my son loves Bob White's.
0: My son's a bird freak. That's good. Like he, we bought him books on birds. And I'm not kidding you, Micah can verify. Yeah, that's we will we will be driving or doing whatever. Dad, look, there's a dark-eyed jenko. Yep. And I have no clue if he's telling me the truth. Probably. How how do you know that, Kate? And he's like, I tell you, I I know. Did you get him the uh,
3: Sibley Field Guide? Uh, no, but
0: Sibley Field Guide. Because we got him a several like birds of Missouri books, and it's you know like a small handheld book, and yeah. then it's got pictures and about them. Maybe it is that, but I don't think it's called that. But one time, so we were outside, and he said, "Dad, there, there's a whatever scissor tail, whatever." Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And I'm like, "How do you have no idea, kid?" <laughs> yeah. I'm like we bought you this book, and now he's like, "I'm telling you, I'm right." I said, "Cool, go get the book then."
3: I got to take I, uh, Orno in college, and that was one of my favorite classes. Really? I lost most of it. but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so he's like, I'm just like, there's
0: almost, I wanted to prove him wrong, because he was getting pretty cocky about knowing all these different <laughs> birds, right? Wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, go get the book. He goes and gets the book. I thumb through to the scissor tail, whatever he called it, flycatcher. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, looking at the picture, looking at the bird, I'm like, I'll be damned. <laughs> you were correct. All right, buddy. I'm, i'll leave you alone no and more questioning yeah he's and then like when we we were deer hunting before he killed his deer this year his eyes are in the trees half the time mm-hmm. looking at the different birds and he's like dad look at that one that's a look at that cardinal which is i everybody knows what a cardinal is but right you see how it's the female do you know how how do you know that i'm like yeah i know but he's just you know he's <laughs> like he, he he really loves birds and, and better
3: than video games yeah
0: which he likes that crap too <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh so yeah let's talk about some stuff um that you
3: can do in the winter time because now is a great time to be doing stuff right yeah um yeah i'll kind of start with like probably the least intensive winter management thing which will be the frost seeding um very easy to do don't need any equipment except for your spreader bag and whatever seeds you're going to put down um and it could be for food plots and it can be for Um, native, if you want to get some CRP grass, some prairie grass and wildflowers (coughs) and things like that going, um, it's an option too. So Um, when do
0: you want to like, I'm not talking so much about time of year. We all know frost seeding needs to be going on when it's cold, right? Right. But when do you want to frost seed as far as? what's the ground need to be doing i mean
3: we're you know
0: explain it to us like we're five
3: yeah we're coming (laughs) up on like the really good time so late winter early spring the Mm -hmm. ground still does freeze and then thaw during the day um snow on the ground is good Mm -hmm. when you sow those seeds
2: is it good to do it on the snow like on top of the snow or before it's about to snow Either. Either or. Yeah, okay. if
3: you know it's going to snow and you can get seeds down or, like, as it's snowing, if you wanted to be out doing right. that while it's snowing, like, that would be good because Something then you do. know it's going to get covered. Yeah. Um. If the snow's soft, like, I wouldn't really want to go out on what it is right now with, like, the crusty layer on top probably because it's going to be harder for that seed to kind of settle in. Mm-hmm. But when the sun hits it, it starts to work itself down into the snow. That seed does just under the weight, and it absorbs some of that light, and so it kind of settles but what happens is the ground freezes and thaws and so you get seed to soil contact and a lot of so not the food plot seed but like your native seed has to go through um has to stratify mm-hmm. and so it has to go through a cold process to even be able to germinate oh really and you can do that artificially in your refrigerator with wet napkins or you can do it naturally by just sowing it okay and so like at my house we went and sowed some Indian grass and some other native prairie grass a year or so ago, frost seeded it. Mm -hmm. And it's not even a great site because we got trees in the backyard it's not really sunny and that stuff really likes sun. And we had Indian grass growing right behind the house, kind of on the perimeter of our patio and um, it works well. Um, So, so grasses, um, like your annuals, like wheat and rye, Will do well frost seeded, uh, oats will frost seed, and then and those are food plot right. species. But um, and then legumes like clover, white clover does really well. Um, oh. Actually, red clover better, I think. You can do the clovers and nice. uh, alfalfa. This Is that
0: something? You, uh, what did you say? I, I was just saying. I was getting ready to ask that about clover,
2: and I'm getting ready to ask. Do you have a specific? Seed brand that you like, as far as I don't. You don't. You don't have. A I will particular?
3: go. I will go to the farm store and I will see what either local mixes they have or mm-hmm. just what you know if they have biologic or if they have Whitetail Institute. As long as it's the right season for
2: those things, yeah.
3: Those things. That's kind of what I'm going to go with. Okay.
2: Yeah. Because I, I was actually thinking about it the other day. I went hunting Saturday. We had that snow, and I was, and I got a little food plot, <laughs> and. A, this year or this last year, I just did a throw and grow. I went and I killed everything, and mm-hmm. then you know I kind of roughed it up and I threw a throw grow, and I had a little bit of clover. It, it was a mix. I had clover, uh, rye, and something else. I can't remember.
3: Probably, probably rape seed, maybe. Maybe or... it
2: might have been that. Um, but I think I'm going to do all. Clo- I want to do all clover this year because it seemed like every time I was in there, the only thing that I could see the deer actually eating was the clover. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I think I might just do all clover. So I thought about going and picking up some seed and just throwing it out there once I got done hunting or while I was hunting, but I never got to the store to get any. So is it, what about time frame? Like, so it's okay to go ahead and buy your seed now yeah. and do it now. There's yeah. not like a, a shelf life on seed?
3: No, not, not really. Okay. They're going to have out most of the time what's coming. Okay. Right? Um, so if you just go off of, you know, you're planting for this, First cool season, right? If you're frost seeding, then that's the seed that you're going to get. Okay. What's uh What's the advantages
0: to like like Let's just stay with clover because mm-hmm. I me and clover don't get along. I, I mm-hmm. everyone says it's easy, and every time I freaking plant it, it, it doesn't work. But that's because, because where you
2: plant it, it's getting no sun. I've learned True. Like that's a good point.
0: <laughs> Anyways, that's one thing. Uh. What's the advantages to frost-eating something like clover or, I guess, any of the stuff food plot-wise compared to, you know, early spring or a lot of people do, like, late plots? Mm-hmm.
3: Is there advantages to getting it in the ground frost-eating-wise? The The biggest advantage is that it's a lot more extensive rather than intensive, meaning less involved. Okay. Um, so you don't have to worry about soil preparation because the freeze-thaw does that for you. Gotcha. Um, since that seed's going to get the first soil contact the dead stuff from last season that you seed into is going to kind of act as a barrier and provide coverage so that that seed is germinating and then you'll have a mix. So like people that graze cattle and stuff will frost seed legumes into their um, pastures to improve grazing for cattle even, Hmm. which if it's good for cattle is going to be good for what we do too. Um, so yeah, the major advantage is just that it's kind of the simplest
2: simplest way to do it.
3: Simplest way to do it. And if you have a bunch of spring food plots that you want to do, there's a good chance that you can't do all of your all of them in a frost seeding scenario, but you can knock them out so that your workload is, you know, spread. Yeah. That's what I've noticed with spring plots
0: that I've tried <clears throat> is yeah, it works and <clears throat> the what you're planning uh, takes and that's even if like you you know you round up the whole plot before kill everything that's in there stuff still comes mm-hmm. and at least with my setup yeah my clover came and whatever else i the rape seed actually did really good but um then all the weeds also were actively growing right. like weeds do and before long you know the weeds overtook the clover mm-hmm. and within you know two months you didn't see any clover anymore. It right. Was, it was over with those. And uh, nice thing about, you know, frost seeding is you don't have to – they're not competing, like you said. Right. So yeah. they get like a head start on any of the, the weeds, I guess. Kind of
3: act as a weed barrier for yeah. you. You're still going to get some. Sure. It's inevitable. Right. But, uh, yeah, it'll act like a, a a block so that that first spurt of weed growth isn't going to be as hefty Yeah. as it would be otherwise. Because if you go and turn the soil – in the spring Mm -hmm. you're turning up a lot of weed seed and that's why you get such a explosion of that that you might have to come back and spot spray or whatever
0: yeah yeah which we did i mean that's what happened and with clover don't and correct me if i'm wrong i always i've always been told this with clover once clover gets sta- established, it does a good job of choking out other mm-hmm. things, so well, that yeah. it continues to. I
3: don't know if you've ever had it in your yard or not, yeah. but it tends to. It tends to it's do just,
2: well. Just,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's, it's
2: doing great in my yard. Yeah, it tends to stay around for a little bit.
3: That's for sure. Then you mow it, and then you feed it all these recycled nutrients, and then it just does even better. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I haven't uh, sprayed my yard in about three years now. I used to spray 24 D in my yard. Yeah, it's way too big to do any like. Uh, what do you call it, granules. I'd spend thousands. So um, got a father-in-law who's a farmer who taught me about 2,4-D, two, two and so I used to spray 2,4-D, and it would get rid of the clover. Mm-hmm. That'd be fine. I haven't sprayed it in like three years, and that freaking clover is just... Oh, it's back.
1: Mm-hmm. Whew.
0: Which is cool. Have have fun, clover. I don't care about my yard as much anymore as I used to. <laughs> so
3: Yeah, I'm a lot... A lot more passive on lawn management than I used to be, too. I used to be a heck of a lawn mowing guy, but I just... That's
2: how I Me was. Me, too, man. Yeah. I mean, I used to have a lawn care business, so, I mean, I was real particular on one of my stripes and black. Nah, no. <laughs> I no. don't When I
0: lived in town, I cared. Right. But now that I mow over five acres, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to get it done. Like, what two and a half hours of what day am I going to waste on this mower to get this over with? Right. And so, it, now it's just about getting it mowed. It's not about manicuring it, because... Man, I you just go crazy trying to manicure. you
3: can go frost seed some native grass and just mow less. There you go. That's not a bad idea. It's a good idea. Just kind of – and then I could
2: just quail hunt here. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see you get some quail out here. That'd, That'd be, be cool. pretty sweet.
3: Yeah, you'd be surprised. Along that gravel road coming in, I could see them being there already. Yeah. There's some grass. There's, there's
0: quail out. out. My neighbors oh, got really? quail in there a lot. Huh. I don't know if they might uh, – our other neighbors have – chickens and other things and maybe they have some or something i don't Mm -hmm. know if you can own quail but maybe they got out but i've seen them over and through there and and his his uh his hayfield gets taken care of less than mine so it stays long Mm -hmm. a lot and that might be that's yeah probably good for for them i'm assuming yeah so and his like doesn't get fertilized or anything which i don't know if that matters but it just it's a little more natural than what we've got in our hayfield so maybe that's why yeah. I see
3: them. Tall, tall grasses with area underneath of the grass that they can move through yep. is kind of what yeah, quail it's not are real looking thick, for. Right. Right. Yeah, it's you kinda, don't want sod, you want yeah. patches. Yeah. And, exactly what it is. And diversity. Yep. So
2: So what are some other things that people can start I, doing? I want to stay on frost eating for a second. Oh, okay. Because I don't
0: bad. I've never ever in my life tried it. And uh don't really understand the benefits what you've already said makes sense. Is that really the the biggest benefit is you get a head start more than anything?
3: Yeah, you get a head start and just the how any guy can do it. Just go out with your spreader bag and you're set.
0: Can you frost seed something that you already have planted that you yes. want to, you know, continue to strengthen?
3: Yeah. And there there doesn't have to be snow on the ground either. Like frozen ground mm-hmm. is the same because it thaws and gets loose. And so then freezes again.
0: You want that freeze
3: thaw freeze, freeze thaw. thaw is what you're looking for. And Which so Missouri's great at doing. Yeah, yeah. You might, yeah, You might go swimming one day, and then it'll be froze the next day. Yeah. Uh, but
0: um, I would like assume frost seeding is harder, like up north, because right. it's like this time of year, it's never above freezing, <laughs> so it's just frozen all the time. But down here, like, we always go above freezing and then back down. Or, yeah. You know, we had that huge cold snap last year. Right. And that was, like, historic, 14 straight days. Yeah. Or whatever it was like under below zero 10 or, or whatever.
2: Yeah. That month sucked That sucked. <laughs> yeah, for you, definitely. Yeah. I'm in the propane business, so oh. we were busy. <laughs> we were busy. Hank Hill was cranky. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but if you say there's not snow on the ground, you go out and you can see where your thinner patches are that didn't take off Mm -hmm. um be heavier in those areas and then kind of just fill the gaps and rotate things and so if you have a mix you can create better diversity just by having a slightly different mix that you do the next year is
2: is there such a thing as overseeding like putting too much seed on um, on an area yeah
3: um that
2: would be me. I'd be, I'd just be
3: like, i would be like, yeah,
0: I'm just gonna cover it, cake
3: it, and <laughs> seed. Kind of. I mean, that happens more in a planter mm-hmm. where you're trying to calculate pretty accurately what what you're doing. But for us, going in, getting seed from your farm store, or if you do go to a co op or whatever to get mm-hmm. your seed, and you're walking your clockwise pattern and then your diagonal, <laughs> and you do that one time. You're not you're not gonna overdo it. Okay, yeah. um, it's not that sensitive, right? What about um
0: a food plot that you would like to start? So let's say you got a you know an acre area you've never food plotted. Um, maybe you mowed it last year, but maybe you didn't. Maybe it just did its thing, and it's obviously all dead right now. Can you frost seed that? Mm-hmm. And then I'm assuming as the year goes on, you would then work it. Uh, Not work the ground, obviously, but maybe spray. Maintain it. Mow it. The weeds that are trying to come up at that time or mow it. Yeah, yeah.
3: depending on what what you seed into. So, like, say you you have, like, an old patch of pasture, and that's what you're going to start your plot at, and you mowed it November or something Mm -hmm. after it was done growing. You go in, and legumes will grow well alongside of grasses. Mm -hmm. And so your clover and your rape and your chicory and your alfalfa are going to probably do pretty well there, and that would be a good option to start with. Hmm. Um, I've got two spots I'm thinking about right now
0: that, you know, we we mowed this year. We we maintain. We I finally like worked on this property this year, and uh, it got a nice mowing. Kind of at the beginning of deer season was the last mowing. So I mean, the the grass grew again, but not bad. I mean, not tall. You know, not yeah waist height or something. It was. I mean, by the time it died, it wasn't that that tall, shin high or yeah, somewhere around there. And so It'd be about perfect. There's right a I couple spots that I thought about doing a plot, but they haven't been touched in. I mean, mowing them for the first time in five to seven years, probably this year was right. the first time they've been touched by anything.
3: That's the other another thing I just thought of on the on the clover. At least is that it is it can tolerate colder temperatures than a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. And so while the stuff that was already there is still dead, you're. You're going to get that germination out of the clover. and So, like we kind of mentioned, it just starts early. And due to the fact that it can handle the cold temperatures, will do well. Right. So,
0: Do you have a, prefer- a preference? I mean, I've read different articles about white clover, red clover, what deer prefer. I don't know if there's any truth to any of it,
3: but. I don't, I don't have a preference. I forgot what I looked at earlier, but it was saying it was a grazing article. Mm-hmm. And I I want to say that white clover was the most um, resistant, like could bounce back from heavy grazing. Okay. Um, and drought. Better than
0: red. Than red. White clover is the clover that has those white flowers. Mm-hmm. Red clover are the purplish. Purple ones. flowers, yeah.
3: And then there's like sub subspecies to like ladino. Um. Over well, we'll, we'll seed all of them. Right. Just depending on what we get. Yeah. That's cool. And they're generally the same. Like, they behave pretty much the same. Dude, frost seeding sounds like something that more people should do.
2: I mean, it sounds pretty easy. I mean, I've done it before, but, I mean... Yeah, I've literally never done it. Yeah. We've done it up north a few times. And actually, this was the last fall... Yeah, I believe it was last fall. And we, we've always we got a spot and it's perfect for a plot, but we can never get anything to grow and but we were always doing it the wrong time of year or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. This year we went out there and we did it during the you know, the the fall time or whenever you're supposed to, winter seeding and uh it took off and it did awesome really? this year. Yeah, it did really good for us.
0: I would assume most people don't uh Frost seed because no one's thinking about food plots. Food plots right now. Mm-hmm. Season just got over in Missouri. Nobody wants to talk talk about deer, licking their wounds, the licking, their wounds. The wife, licking their wounds. Yeah, the
2: wife's mad at you because you've been gone all winter long and, and chasing hey, coyotes like you guys hey, do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah.
0: Last thing they want to hear is, uh, "Hey, I'm going to be gone for a few hours. I'm going to go do some seeding for a food plot."
1: What?
2: Yep. <laughs> uh, but, but you need to be need to be thinking about it.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go improve wildlife habitat. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to say it's for that. Don't call it a food plot. Yeah. yeah. I care about the turkeys. <laughs> I'm just getting ready for those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other questions on that? I'm
2: good on the frosting. Uh, that, I'm just, I don't know. I've never
0: had it explained to me like that, frost eating at least. And uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that just, a lot of lights, a lot of... Light bulbs dinged in my head when you were talking about frost seeding. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I understood the term before, but since I've never done it, I've never given a shit to really. Why do you do it? Yeah, why do you do it? And then when, the more you talk about the science kind of behind what that seed's doing, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Freeze, it works in. Thaw, or freeze, it's sitting on top. Thaw, works in. Freeze again. And it, it gets that chance to germinate. And in the second the spring
3: hits and it gets to grow, it's the first thing coming mm-hmm. out the ground. Those first fifty degree days, right? They'll they'll start to pop, even even early. Yeah, like before you would think anything was going to go green. Yeah, so you
1: start
0: kind of seeing a little green hint on the landscape. Mm-hmm. You know, just a small the tinge. Yeah. So that's that's cool. I mean, I have mm-hmm. to really think about that. That's I can think of a few spots
3: that I don't know why you wouldn't just see what happens Mm -hmm. with some frosty well that's the thing about it is it's a good experimental method too where you're since you're not having as much input up front Mm -hmm. it's okay to be kind of try this versus this a little bit more and not feel like oh i wasted all my gas in my tractor and tearing up the field and all that to maybe have a plot fail because it doesn't get a rain we know you're gonna have moisture Yeah, so...
0: I mean, that's, Micah, your story this year. You did that plot at your Mm -hmm. place that you told Dustin about just now or earlier. Yeah, it it got a little bit of rain, but... And then it freaking zapped dry, and it all pretty much failed. Mm -hmm. My plots, you you know, how much time did we spend out there on a a tractor tilling it up and getting it all jacked up, and then I went out and sprayed, or did I spray first? One way or the other, I spent multiple days out there, Mm -hmm. and then someone else's tractor that I used, which happened to be the landowner's, but hey you know still a tractor getting used mm-hmm. and things getting done and you know 3 months later it was not, it was gone mm-hmm. so you know spend a little less i guess effort up front doing some hand seeding and seeing how it does and then you can maintain it i, yeah. I just yeah I, people ought to really think about frost seeding that that makes a lot of sense
3: yeah and with when with like say if you do you mentioned doing like a all armor which all clover plot I'm thinking about going all clover. Yeah. yeah. You'll you'll have to mow that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because it gets tall and yeah, will choke itself out almost. Right. doesn't so, right. really. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to mow it, what, at least twice a year or something? Yeah. I guess it's just like a clover field. Like, it'll get, yeah, yeah it'll get, like, knee high. <laughs> yeah. And it's thick.
2: Which is, oh, I mean, which is doable, because lucky for me, the landowner, he has a, uh, He's got a skid steer with the brush hog up front, mm. so I'll, I'll be Add able to, to use that this year. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be pretty handy. I'm pretty excited. Uh-huh. Before I get too crazy with that thing, I need to have you out there though, because I got some other questions that, we, <laughs> that I want to get
1: Let figured out know. too. See, and all Let these freaking
0: all these freaking bales are going off of my head. This place, I told you, I find we finally made, mowed for the first time. Also, mow trails to get like access trails. Well, why can't those be all
3: clover? Yeah,
0: I mean they're also broth-
3: they're also fire breaks. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, All these things are going off my head. I could just spend, you know, a couple hours out there with a little hand spreader and toot, 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 toot. Turn them into clover trails. Rig
3: up one on your deal that's just wheel driven or even if it hooks up to your battery. Yeah. Drive your, you mow it. You go drive it. And now you're seeding it. Good to go. You got green around the outside.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you guys guys actually, is there a light bulb above my head? (laughs) There's a lamp. I feel like there's
2: bulbs going just ding, ding. (laughs) So, um, so I think we covered that pretty good. Probably, I would assume you would probably want to do some of your timber management this time of year too, right? Yeah,
3: that's the, that's the major theme of winter. Okay. For me, especially, um, for one, if you, especially if you're using a chainsaw, mm-hmm. it's cold. I don't know if you've ever cut firewood or anything with <laughs> all day in, in the summertime, yeah. but it doesn't take very long to lose everything. You're just like, oh. Yeah. So you can go longer. Yeah. Um, As far as like, so timber stand improvement, let's talk about timber stand improvement. Um, The mechanism of treating the s- trees that you kill is more effective in the winter time because they're dormant mm-hmm. and they're not running nutrients up like they would in the summer. Um, But again, you get a 50 degree day, a lot of your trees are going to start moving them again. So it's temperature driven a lot mm-hmm. um but yeah so timber stand improvement in my opinion is the biggest bang for your buck that you can do as far as improving your habitat because um, I mean,
2: really all it takes is a chainsaw and a little bit of you know elbow grease
3: elbow
0: grease yep. for the most part yep and some knowledge on what you're doing though sure guy. i mean you <laughs> like, got
2: don't i mean you if you never, if start. you never ran a chainsaw before, a you should probably definitely wear all your safety gear that you need to wear. <laughs> yeah, you should wear
3: it even if you have. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and you you know probably should get somebody to teach you how to do a little something with it. You yeah,
3: know? have somebody mark it for you, yeah. whatever. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: They can be dangerous.
0: I mean, a guy like Dustin. Yeah, yeah. Dustin yeah. can do it for
3: you. I can do that.
0: Yeah, because um. I mean, what goes into it? It's not just about going out there with a chainsaw and starting to cut up some trees.
3: No, you want to you want to evaluate there's different ways to go about it from a wildlife perspective you want to let a lot of sunlight to the floor um and you know we're deer hunters and we think mostly about oak trees I think but um as far as like me I'm kind of a purist I like to take all the honey locust out and I know that they like honey locust pods but in the end I kind of don't like honey locust so they don't get very many green passes for me but (laughs) um No, just finding that dominant canopy tree, a mass-producing oak tree is kind of the epiphany of what you're looking for in timber stand improvement. Mm -hmm. You want to clear up all the way around that tree and then 10 feet outside of it, and that's going to let it grow more. It's going to put on a lot more acorns in the future because it's not competing as much with other trees in the canopy or ground nutrients from smaller trees that might be coming up underneath of it okay um now if you have like a tree like that that maybe you have a stand in you might want to leave a few around so you have cover but not just oak tree in this open yeah, area uh, now. what's slap, that little guy hanging slap a off? ladder on the side <laughs> yeah uh but no yeah looking for those trees and then i have a hierarchy that i kind of follow anytime that i'm marking or doing tsi and <laughs> starting from the bottom it's anything that's not native so like your honeysuckles, there's tree of heaven is a real nasty one. Mm-hmm. Always take them out because they're going to end up being a problem if you don't.
2: I'm not. I'm not for sure if I know what that one is. Yeah, tree of heaven. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think I do either. I know what honeysuckles are, but
3: yeah, um, they're similar. They came from Asia.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, As a honeysuckle, I could be totally wrong. Is a honeysuckle is a honeysuckle leaf a leaf that a deer likes to
3: eat? I'm not sure on that. I think they will.
0: There is a uh, there's a bushy type tree that I can show you the picture of that I swore listening to something or watching something this last year someone was saying that you'll see deer eat them off the the branch or whatever the mm-hmm. limb and like off the ground when it's laying on the ground and it was I'll show you I'll have to google the picture and I swore it was honeysuckle, and I'm like, "Hey, I've got those all over that place." Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I did not realize that it was an inv- invasive species.
3: Yeah, very bad. Hmm. Uh,
0: S- same with uh, what cedar or not cedar? Uh, olive. What? What is the? A lot of people talk about cedar thickets. Aren't red cedars or something an invasive? They're native invasive. So what does that mean?
3: That means they are from here, but, but they're his- also invasive. They're also invasive. Historically, fire kept them in control gotcha and we don't have that anymore unless i come in and do it (laughs) right but uh and even then if they get to a certain size you can't burn up a whole tree right it's not like it's not like out west it can be but typically it's not um but yeah they they have a way of overtaking Hmm. areas especially grasslands right um you can get honeysuckles and grasslands and things like that too but Dear, dear. Now that you say that, I think I've heard that about them eating the leaves too. But I've spent so much time trying to get, get rid, rid of, of them. F- <laughs> of it that anybody that's like, oh, well, that's good cover, and I like do everything I can to convince them otherwise because yeah. it becomes more of an issue and a limiting factor than it is providing any benefit. Right. right. And and
2: that's same with I've. Everybody thinks cedar thickets are these awesome cover.
3: That exactly.
0: That
2: is exactly what I've got
3: honeysuckle yeah because it's got those little like berry type
0: red red berries on yeah 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 Yeah, that's exactly what you would be unhappy with
3: right (laughs) (laughs) yeah they uh yeah yeah deer can't keep up with them they'll browse it but they can't keep up with it It just yeah too much right um in the cities you drive through the cities in early spring when that understory is really bright green and all the tall (laughs) trees haven't put leaves on yet that's Mm -hmm. all honeysuckle gotcha and nothing else that is beneficial can grow down there. Okay. Because they're also allelopathic, uh, which means they send chemicals out in the roots to inhibit the growth of other plants.
2: Oh, they're dickheads
0: then, yeah. is what you're saying.
3: Yeah, them and <laughs> olives and tree of heavens all do the same thing. Hmm. Um, What's the
2: tree of heaven look like? Like, is it it's a, a uh, distinct feature? Yeah,
3: something? so, like, a young one has, like, a very distinct singular stalk it just sticks straight up. It's very alien-looking. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to Google it while you're talking. They yeah. have a, I'm m- Googling that shit, too. <laughs> they have a million seeds that they put out. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. But they, uh, they're rhizomal. They sprout heavily from the roots, so if you cut one and don't treat it, you're in for a world of management nightmare. Um, okay. Yep, I've seen I wonder that. wonder if that's what's growing along my fence lines that I cut, and
0: then it comes back.
3: With a vengeance? With a vengeance. It could be. Yeah, I, I bet it is. Um, so, yeah, honey locusts will be- behave that way. They're native. Okay. Um, but they'll they'll behave the same way. So that's one that you always treat with chemical. Okay. Uh, Tordon or pathway. Yeah. Uh, honey locust. Anyways, I started on my hierarchy of trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah so me, all me and Mike <laughs> are learning a lot of shit tonight. and We're yeah. like, wait
2: a minute, wait a minute.
3: <laughs> so all those... Uh,
2: They all get the boot.
3: Yeah, those all get the boot all the time. And then after that comes, like, your honey locust and your hedge and your cedars. And so, like you mentioned, a lot of guys are like, oh, cedar thickets. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, they provide cover from wind and really bad weather. Mm -hmm. Um, I've read where some mature bucks will actually avoid a really thick cedar thicket because they can't see out of it. Mm -hmm. That's what I've heard, yeah. And And
2: I heard they don't produce any, was it? Like thermal, like, because a buck or, you know, a deer, if they want to get out of the cold and stuff like that, they want us to go somewhere where they can try to get warm and cedar thickets don't offer any of that. Y- you no. would think
3: the exact opposite. Yeah. Right.
2: But it's... It might block the wind, but... It
3: blocks the wind, but there's no sunlight getting in. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, it, what I like to do, <laughs> side note on the deer version of this, is think about where you want to be, where the best setup is for you topographically don't leave that's also going to be the best setup for a buck Mm -hmm. so you want to not have your cover where that best spot is that's where your stand is have that cover between so if you're going to leave a patch of cedars that's where that's what you do is you leave a patch of cedars you don't you want to take out like say like ryan's farm if it were me on his farm, I'm going to take out 90 percent of the cedars, mm-hmm. and on 80 acres, that's a lot of cedars. Um, but yeah, don't. I don't like to leave them, and like the guy I used to work for, he'd take out every cedar because otherwise you're going to come back. They're going <laughs> to come. They are going to come back. You're yeah, never yeah. going to get rid of
1: them. Oh,
0: well, that's our our buddies at Land and Legacy. Yeah, yeah, they're like take like them all out. Spy cedars. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: you get yeah. a lot more benefit out of having grass or good timber hmm. than. And cedar thickets.
2: Okay. And same with the hedge. You get rid of all the hedge?
3: Yeah. Um, hedge is tricky because depending on how big they are. It
2: takes oh. 14 blades to get through
0: one <laughs> Yeah. It
3: takes a bulldozer or <laughs> if you girdle them like I do a lot of times and treat them in that ring. A girdle is when you cut a ring around the outside right. of the tree and treat it with herbicide. That thing's going to be standing there dead longer than any of us are going to be here. Right. And so it's kind of like in some instances those mature hedge stands are almost like a feature in themselves Mm -hmm. and so sometimes you're almost managing for them but if you're in like oak woodlands and you have eight inch hedge trees they're they're bye-bye like try to try to get a post out of it if you can
2: right that's i mean i'm pretty sure i got the property that i talk about most time I'm pretty sure I could buy a brand new truck with as many hedge posts as I got in, in there that I could get out of that place. There's a right. ton of hedge, right. ton of hedge. That and thorny locust. Yeah. It's terrible. Not Which rare. is
0: thorny locust, honey locust? Yep. Okay.
2: Okay. So, yeah, those are nasty. We are, getting, of, we are getting so much smarter. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: There's honey locust and black locust. Okay. And the older generation, I learned from my grandparents, always thought that black locust was the gnarly thorny locust, but it's actually opposite. Hmm. Honey locusts is the big clusters of just yeah just nasty. Spears. don't let them yeah, don't let them get you you're gonna be sore yeah. like um and then black locusts are you see them a lot, they're <laughs> everywhere, they were planted in the seventies for the energy crisis and for firewood potential, huh. uh, okay. and they would harvest them in like a pie, so they go around the pie and gotcha. ten years later you have your next crop of firewood, so hmm. it's a good idea, but they're not they're
2: they are not they they do not have a thorn.
3: They have short, stubby ones. Oh, okay. And not, not like, all the way up the trunk like a honey locust will. They'll be, like, on right. the smaller limbs. Um, yeah, that's what sucks.
0: Like, we hung. remember, we hung a stand in that, that honey locust, and you're 15, 16 foot up, and you're like, Ding. son of a... It yeah, <laughs> just yeah. got it's stuck by another right thorn, yeah. you know? You're like, you can't well, get
2: away from well, it. Well, where my food plot is, that one where you helped me hung it in that middle tree, you know, that tree's way too small. Yeah. I got to move it this year. Baroque, and, wasn't it? I can't remember. Pretty sure it's Baroque. you It's know. a good one. Yeah. yeah. It's bro it's a nice tree. Love the right tree. It's and beautiful. it's right in the middle of my plot. Yeah. It's a great spot, but it's real small. It doesn't offer it doesn't offer me enough cover. So mm. I need to get it off I need to get off the plot a little bit. And the tree I am looking at, I'm like, I'm gonna have to cut down freaking five honey locust trees <laughs> to get to where I can shoot into the plot. I'm like, This is gonna suck. Yeah. You know? So Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just gonna drop them, grab the loader, and push them away somewhere or something. I don't know, but yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm not looking forward to having to deal with those.
3: Right. So yeah, honey locust, they do have a little bit of browse benefit with their pods because deer in the winter will eat them. I think they're pretty high in protein. Are they? Um, Squirrels love them too. Oh, yeah. And I'm, th- I'm thinking about hedge apple. So hedge. Hedge. I don't. Yeah. Yeah,
0: dude, I always see squirrels just squirrels, munching on I hedge I know apples. squirrels hammer yeah. those. I don't know about deer. I've never seen a deer eating one, but I, maybe I'm sure they, they do. probably could. I'm sure. They I've could. seen them.
2: I've seen. Uh, I've seen them eat the leaves off yeah. the hedge. Yeah, they'll eat the leaves. Well, they'll eat maple leaves too. Yeah, I've seen that. So
3: the hedge trees tend to le- lose all their leaves like at right, once. Right. I don't know if you've noticed that or yeah. not. Yeah. So when that happens, it's like, like raining. Yeah, yeah. It, when that happens, it's kind of a good spot to be. Makes yeah. sense. Does um, deer
2: do eat them? Yeah.
3: Um, in my experience, some of them hedge trees will create like a little umbrella of shade, which doesn't let anything grow underneath of it. Yep. And so a lot of times those are like little hubs of traffic. If you have like thick woods. <coughs> yeah. Where they'll come into that and kind of have a breath of space before they go back into the. Thick stuff. Yeah. And you can catch them kind of hopping in those little hedge openings, I call them. But yeah. it's basically just under the canopy. hmm Um, so anyways, yeah. All those thorny trees almost always take them out too. Okay um pathway rtu is the chemical i use on them nice so after those it's usually and i'm talking like a general hardwood kind of more on a slope not necessarily a river bottom type area Mm because then you have your riparian trees too but uh after your thorny trees you have your lesser softwood trees so like your elms and your hackberries essentially um hackberries have berries obviously that birds like um but they are often like the first trees that will come up in a woodland after you say do a log harvest okay and so they'll get very thick and dense be a bunch of little ones all over the place and it ends up shading out a lot of stuff um i'd treat anymore i treat almost all my hackberries unless they're like on a um stream bank and so the roots get to stay alive, and they can re-sprout, and that'll be a little bit of browse. Um,
0: okay. I've, I've got quite a few hackberries on a creek bank. Yeah. Uh, a few of them let, disappeared this year for whatever reasons. I took care of that. But it seems like, yeah, you're right. Every year, they don't seem to ever really get bigger. It's, I mean, maybe they are getting bigger. It's just really slow. But hmm. they're on this creek bank, and they, they go dormant, and they're back the next year. And hmm. I'm like, well, I don't have to trim you back. Right. Uh, so, guess if you'll stay, you know. I'm I'm more looking at the shooting lane, you know. Right. Aspect, but that's what those are. That's definitely what those are.
3: Mm-hmm. Elms. Uh, if you leave an elm untreated, it's one of the best woody browse trees that you can have. <clears throat> so, if you got a nice eight-inch elm and it's set up well on like a corner of something or kind of you know known travel path, that's a good tree to. Top off and just let it blossom, hmm. and they don't like a hackberry. If you do that, it grows pretty tall, pretty fast. An elm kind of is more bushy. That's another reason I like to treat the hackberries because they, in a couple of years, will be creating a ton of shade again. Got gotcha. you. Kind of back to square one essentially. Yeah,
2: but the elm, if you do it that way, it'll produce a lot more of, food for the animals for longer. Right. you saying. Yeah. Okay.
3: It'll it'll bush out and they can get it and cut it about waist height. They'll come along and browse that down like crazy.
2: I got you. Okay. That's cool.
3: Yep. And then, yeah, you just go with your, your best trees. A lot of times we're looking for the oaks, red oaks. So the white oaks is what everybody loves in October. Oh well, um, Sure. <laughs> it's the candy crop. They don't last very long in the winter time. For me personally, I kind of like to go on the, in the oak population, at least, a 25% white oak, 75% dark oak. So I'll pick a dark oak most of the time over a white oak if it's cut and dry, mm-hmm. if I have to pick. Mm-hmm. Most most scenarios, I'm, if there's oaks, I like that, and I'm just going to leave them because I'm taking out so much other stuff that it ain't worth it to mess with the oaks at all. Right. Most of the time. Um, the red oaks, the black oaks, their acorns will last longer through the winter. And not start to decompose or rot or germinate to where the deer can't eat them anyways. And so, those white oaks, for a short period of time, are really good. But then after that, you're looking for red oaks. Okay. Hmm. For longevity purposes.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, what is a bur oak on that? White. Is it white? Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, a bur oak is white? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: It's typically more associated with, like, wet areas. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of known to be in like river bottom settings and stuff like that. Um, so you don't find them up on the ridge tops near as much. You can, but um, yeah, timber stand improvement season.
0: What? what so is maple. Where's maple fall in Maple. I
3: mean, it- so depends on the maple. We have a lot of uh, sugar maples, which are going to be in the hills. Those are the bright yellow ones, uh-huh. kind of orange sometimes. Yep. And then what you get in the river bottoms is the silver maples, all the little... Which almost
0: ones. have that silver-looking leaf. Yeah. Yeah. On the
3: bottom side of them, yep. they're really light. Um, Those are what I have. Yeah, they got, <laughs> a lot of them get really big with, like, three or four trunks. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times they're, like, right on the river bank.
0: Almost looks like a river birch. Yeah. yep. But it's a maple. Yep. Yeah.
3: And so the, that I kind of class those trees in with uh, like cottonwoods and sycamore trees, or riparian trees. <clears throat> okay. If you have river bottom property or like a bottom of your creek that runs through your property, and you have those growing there, I like to leave them.
0: Do they um, produce any food value at all?
3: Um, I don't believe so. Um, other than if they the leaves.
0: Yeah. Um, like a fresh yeah. drop leaf, they might. I don't
3: know if it. I don't know if deer browse on the helicopters of the silver maples or not. I'm sure they're palatable. Right. Um
0: but it's one of those things if they got so many options would that be what yeah, they choose? Right. Probably not right. the type right. like, tier whereas an acorn they choose. Yeah. yeah. They will go seek out acorns at a certain time of the right. year. Right. Right. You know, will they actually will they eat a helicopter? Sure, probably. Or maybe not. I don't know. Right. But it most likely isn't one of the... I wouldn't be hanging... You're it. not looking for it. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. It's like the a broccoli, s- right? Like <laughs> Nobody <laughs> really wants to eat their broccoli. Yeah. They'll eat it if they have to. Put
3: cheese on it and it eat it. Yeah, it would be a little easier. Yeah. Um, another, uh, since we're talking about winter management and things, outside of just kind of the <clears throat> forest structure, um, if you were to go out, you know, we might have a couple brutal months ahead still. Mm-hmm. If you go out and do your timber stand improvement now... The way I do it, I drop everything all the way to the ground. So it's a what appears to be aesthetically a horrible mess, mm-hmm. but it's fantastic. Um, many times I've been in with a crew of four or five guys running chainsaws all day through this chunk of timber, and we'll come back to do the adjacent chunk the next day, and where we were the day before is just loaded with deer. Because, like, oh, all this potential food and the tips of these trees. Yep. That was thirty feet in the air is now on the ground where they can get it, mm-hmm. and so for this time of year when things are getting kind of tough, it's good to have. That, that's that's that when they woody, go to the
2: yeah their woody brows
3: woody yeah. options.
0: That's what we we talked to well land and legacy guys, and then uh-huh. I was listening to. I'm pretty sure it's the fall podcast, and he's up in Michigan, and when he bought his property, he had it, the guys go through and in the middle of winter, and he said when they got done, it looked like pure de- horrible. I mean. I was I was almost s- sad to see it mm-hmm. He said but the very next day There were deer all over mm-hmm. my place They didn't think it was ugly No <laughs> You know And uh, I, I, it makes sense I don't remember him saying You know why or what The reasoning was behind it now But yeah that You just put all this food Right in front of them mm-hmm. And they knew it Yep That's cool
2: Time to go fire them up <laughs> do some chainsaw work
3: yeah yeah and then you then you have like your hinge cutting and stuff and um i'm not sure what those guys say about it but um i kind of like to keep it to a minimum mm-hmm. in specific areas yeah with specific reasoning reasoning right so you have your perimeter access and then whatever access that you have to stand sites along those access paths like off to the side of them is some place that i like to do a lot of hinge cutting um barrier so they can't see you right when that re-sprouts and leafs out like there's your cover Mm -hmm. that's your screen Mm -hmm. you know to walk to your stand um then you have like the directional purpose um if you're trying to get them to avoid you know if i was going to set up on this point of this ridge and i didn't want them to get downwind of me farther on the point I'm probably going to hinge cut some trees that make them come this side of me, you know, or at least close enough to the tree stand tree right. that my wind might go over them. Um, so,
0: I mean, there's a lot of thinking that goes into that. Yeah.
3: Like it. Yeah. It's I mean,
0: and, I've never.
2: Re- and that's definitely, you know, uh, land specific on where, you know, your mm-hmm. your <laughs> your spot. So, every spot. That's, that's when it'd be good to have you out to help them come together with a plan. Mm hmm. And, you know, you can implement some of this stuff that we've talked about.
3: And another thing, too, I kind of mentioned with with the cedars, where you want to create that best habitat. Like, you want to be able to put yourself in the best advantageous spot, which is also going to be where the buck wants to be. But if the cover, like the dense cover, isn't where you are in the best spot, he's going to be close to it a lot of times. Which is so be close to where they're better. I need to catch him coming out of it or to it. To it, yep. yeah. And you want that to be, you know, close. But you want the best spot. You want him to have the second best spot. Makes sense. So um, hmm. makes a lot of sense on a on a topography standpoint. Are you guys familiar with the term Soldier's Point of a ridge? It's like no. just the farthest point out on a ridge. Oh, before it. Yeah, yeah, before it goes down. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a hot spot always. Your saddles are a hot spot, mm-hmm. and then you have that top third. I I call it when I write my management plans. I call it the buck comfort zone. Yeah, that's that's where I
0: call it just off the ridge. Yeah,
3: just off the ridge. Right. That's that's that that's that hot spot. So if you can get yourself, you know, in daytime thermals going up, if you can get yourself right above it, right below it in the evening, a lot of times is going to be the goal there.
0: So yeah, which I mean, do you know why bucks or deer, I guess in general, don't like cruising the tops of ridges if they can help it, compared to just off?
3: They're skylined for one, Uh and then off the ridge, depending on the time of day, they're getting wind over the back with visual down down slash thermals up. So right, so you got wind, yeah, you got wind and thermals doing this, and they've got everything. Yeah. And they'll they'll walk this line. So when we're ground hunting, I'm always on that line. Right, always, <laughs> like almost always. And then like in the evening times when the thermals are going to switch and pull down, I'll drop down as low as I can.
0: Is there a is there a line towards the bottom that you think too? There is a lower third. You know, you got your yeah. creek your creek uh, bed. You know, I've always kind of jumped up. You know that third or whatever, mm-hmm. which I need to. It's ocd problems when you say a third i say 33 percent. then <laughs> yep and if i'm 37 oh, percent, up i screwed up i'm, right. I'm not in the right spot but right. Uh, obviously it's not an exact science but
3: something that i've like if i can i will put myself all the way downwind in a situation at least starting out mm-hmm. um because it just seems like they're gonna get there like they're gonna get downwind of you especially on the ground like You've got to you gotta cover your back. And yeah. I, I like to use that lower third line as the highest that I will be in the downward thermal hours. <coughs> right. So early morning, maybe. But a lot of times you want to be up high ready for the rest of the day, too. So it's kind of, in the morning, it's kind of, eh. But in the evening, I like to be low. Like I don't want to be up high on the hill if if I'm doing it. Right. But
0: Nice. Alright, no. so timber stand improvement. Timber I mean, stand improvement. You got your, your tree hierarchy, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um talking about each one of those, frost seeding. Uh what else winter time?
3: Yeah, and I kinda I don't think I really specified the biggest goal of timber stand improvement is to allow sunlight to get to the forest floor. There you go. You have an explosion of new growth. Which deer like. Which deer like. They live at five feet and below. So yeah. anything over that I mean, useless too pretty much useless yeah. to them. they can stand up on their hind legs but which is why I think like my buddy Jeff who was on a
0: couple weeks ago <coughs> he's got property up north and uh it wasn't his choosing but they had a lot of trees die uh several years ago or flood or flood and mm-hmm. then some and some a bunch of oaks or whatever died also and so when they all died the the forest floor got all this sunlight and
3: just blew up blew up yeah
0: and he's like, dude, I can't tell you how many deer are in there now. I mean, and he there's areas he didn't even touch anymore. He lets them have it because mm-hmm. it's so thick now with new growth.
3: He probably can't move through. it. Well, he can't either. even really yeah. move
0: through. it, And it's exactly what it is. But he's it's he's like I I don't even touch it. The trees are falling down, you know, dying, and just let them have it. Yep. And he, it's almost like it was a good thing that all that those trees died because it was just a kind of a yeah. Nice he, mature, he didn't he
3: didn't have to lift a finger. <laughs> no? Right.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's I mean, he pretty much kills a huge, nice deer out of it every year at this point. Yeah. So, uh, it makes sense because all those, all those new things are there.
3: Yep. And then, you know, kind of, I don't really even have to hit on that, but say I was to take my forestry mulcher in, things are like so much brittle and dormant that you can cover a lot more. It doesn't take as much on any, whether it's a saw or that thing or <coughs> your body. Right. Like, that's why that's why wintertime is just ideal for that, in my opinion, too. Just you can get more done this time of year. Yeah, more bang to... for your buck. Yeah. And it's kind of an in-between period of the typical, like, classic, you know, mineral and food plots and cameras. It's kind of like, what do I do? Probably why we're having the show. Like, what do I do right now? Because we're kind of in limbo between turkeys and deer and coyotes and yeah wh- what can i do to make it better right now but like i said if you bring all that food down you're helping your deer starting the next day
2: makes so. sense makes a lot of sense
3: uh really the only other thing that i thought of would be if the opportunity and the conditions are right you can burn during the winter time um it's kind of when do, when do you prefer to burn so typically you're burning in the spring or the late summer well, and fall, yeah. Uh, depending on your goals. Um, spring burns, if they're early, are essentially just wiping out the dead material. All the same stuff's going to grow back. <coughs> a lot of it that you probably don't want. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to follow up with herbicide, unless you just have a really good stand of native grass and wildflowers and you're just trying to promote the grass. Right. If you come in in the fall and burn... It's gonna do the opposite. It's gonna set the back the grass back. You're gonna have a better pollinator uh, crop the next year. That's kind of in your prairie native grass CRP scenario. Hmm. Um, In the timber, the best time is before any of the snow falls, because it pushes the leaves down, and then they get damp underneath. So if you do come in like kind of early spring or Whenever the leaves do dry out, a lot of times you're not getting that very bottom layer of the leaves just because they're wet. Yeah. You burn the top off. But you still get control of, like, your woody regrowth, setting some of that stuff back and resetting it, and you'll have the same explosion afterwards. Hmm. Um, In the wintertime, you don't want to – like, if you're limited on cover – and you're going to do a burn, you probably want to section it off so that you're not burning all your cover off. Leave some, leave some habitat there. And <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the f- the frost seeding thing where if you have a bunch of burning that you need to do, and you can get some in, it's good to get some in, but then do the rest of it like the normal times. Got gotcha. you. And it's very it's conditionally dependent. Right now you couldn't. You couldn't, couldn't, burn you couldn't get
2: right nothing to burn right now. Yeah. yeah. No, so nice. It's, so wet.
3: Um, and then that, that too is kind of like, a will be, if you get it burned, will be an early food plot. Yeah. Stuff's going to get green there before anywhere else. So, right. Huh? Well, I think
0: it's pretty obvious. I mean, we could keep going and, and really want to, cause I mean, i am learn I've learned probably more in this show than I've learned in a lot of shows we've done. Yeah. It just, cause... This is not something that's my forte. Right. Never has been. I like learning about it, and I want to learn more, but this is not my thing. And so I learned a shit ton tonight. But it's pretty obvious, if anybody's listened to this show and and kind of paid attention, uh, Justin knows his stuff. Yep. So uh, we've been teasing for a while, but we'll talk about it in a second. But before we do... Talk about all the stuff that you do with Habitat Works. I mean, you pretty much said it already, but, you know, give people a rundown of what it is you do, um, so that if they are looking to do some of these things or or need help with it, um, they know that, you know, it's something that you may do.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Um, so like I said, my forte, what I consider to be my forte is the timber work. Mm -hmm. It's just what I'm the most familiar with, um, so that's your timber stand improvement with a chainsaw. It might be hack and squirt. It might be marking timber for you. Um,
0: <laughs> hack and squirt.
3: Hack and squirt. <laughs> familiar with hack and squirt? Well, it's just
0: funny. It yeah. makes sense. <laughs> you, go, you hack it, you squirt it. <laughs> you hack
3: it, you squirt it, you kill it, you walk away. Uh, but, yeah, any, any timber management is, you know, high on my list. And then um, i have a forestry mulcher. And so the honeysuckle that we're talking about a lot of times, it's very beneficial to go in ahead and rather than try to traverse through all of that crap with a backpack sprayer on and suffering, and (laughs) I've done it many times, that's why I talk about it the way I do, but um, knock it down, mow it out, let it re-sprout in the spring, get as many of the big stumps as you can right after you cut them, but... Mm -hmm inevitably you're going to have a ton of resprouts, and if you can hit it with the foliar spray that'd be the benefit in that so i got a forestry mulcher i do the timber stand improvement uh prescribed fire pretty much anything that is management related i will assist with i don't have a tractor or plan or anything like that right now mm-hmm. um and then uh management plans step by step site specific you know what do you have what do you need to manage here to get it to the next step? Right. Either immediately or in the next two to five years, you know, whatever that looks like for your property.
0: And you can you can do all of that if you <clears> – <throat> you could do the management plan for them and the work. Yep. Or, you know, if they just want you to give them the the – your brain <laughs> work yep. and then they say they'll go do it. Yep. That's fine too, right? I mean, it's yep. – It's really, you know, what, what is it they want? You
3: can have me down to be what I was here tonight, but with your property and I'm an open book for you. We'll walk it, drive it, however you want to go about. Mm -hmm. I'll go into it with certain spots and topography that I want to focus on and why these are the hot spots and this and that. (laughs) And then, you know, these are the trees you have. Right. Take all these ones out, leave that one, you know, just open book the whole time. Um, 90 percent of uh 75 80 percent of what i have done over the past six years seven years has been invasive species control mm-hmm. so it's always it i'll focus on it because it's the biggest limiting factor to any habitat you get you get grassland invaders like johnson grass and um sericea mm-hmm. stuff just takes over like crazy johnson grass can be okay for deer bedding but it ends up being a monoculture. It ends up being the only thing there if you don't stay on top of it, and you never want just one thing. Right. You don't want just corn. You want diversity. Yeah. You, you corn beans corn beans is better than just corn, but then corn beans grass is better than that, and then you know the more things that corn, you can beans, add grass, to the timber, yep. The more beans. things, yep. Ditch yep. water, all of it. Yep. The More things you can add to, is the better. Um, and so yeah, just just consulting on you know building the best habitat that you can and basically it's habitat reclamation and just building it
0: yeah so so i'll transition into our our announcement yeah which is <laughs> uh you know missouri woods and water is uh, our newest partner for 2022 is habitat works and dustin Yeah. Uh, we're excited to work with him he knows what he's doing mm-hmm. obviously there's no way you could have just made the crap up he said tonight <laughs> um so, we're working with Dustin uh, for the year, and he's one of our, our awesome partners that we're excited to to work with. Um, and for tonight's show, at least, um, why don't you start by telling people how they can get a hold of you if uh, they're looking for some of this stuff.
1: Yeah,
3: i um, got a website under construction. It'll get better, but um, hit me an email at habitatworksllc at gmail.com. Uh, i'll put my phone number out there sure 816-752-7390 and then i got a facebook page just habitat works it's got the logo on there nice deer standing under a tree and some native grass it looks like so yeah i think that's
0: going to be a nice logo to use for our um, episode release yeah that's I what we we'll so. use for the I episode release picture and uh you know
3: uh i'm in J- saint joe yep i was gonna say uh what would i say about 250, 250 miles, 300 yeah. mile radius. Just give me a call if you're in Missouri or Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas. I'm on the west side of Missouri, so yep. up in St. Joe, uh, we'll travel for food. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, like I said, this is a good time of the year to do some of those things. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Dustin obviously is is somebody we respect and knows what he's doing. And um, we're hap- we're excited to work with you, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, you're excited to work with at least Micah, but.
3: Uh, <laughs> He said he's going to have me out there what was that a year half ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did.
2: I did. <laughs> that's our
0: problem is we have these great ideas and then we
2: don't follow through. Yeah. It was just time. Time gets away from you. Yeah, yeah that's oh yeah. true, Dude.
3: But Kid uh damn kids. Yeah. <laughs> if it can be put off, there's a way to, there you put it off. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. got it. Yep. You
0: got it. But uh so we're excited
3: to work with you man. Yeah, I'm um, excited.
0: Listeners I it. are going to benefit uh, for sure from mm-hmm. uh from having you as as one of our resources and and a uh, partner of ours. Yeah, so, and yeah.
2: we need to kind of just come up with a a plan of each season. You have you come on, and we'll talk about what people can be doing or thinking about or <laughs> what you're, you know, as far as this season goes and that sort of thing. So
0: I, I, I honestly want to have a whole show about trees, learning more about, like, just every tree. That's intriguing to me. It just – I could have kept asking all these questions about maples and, you know, all this different stuff, um, identifying them. It must be nice walking through a a forested area and just knowing every damn tree that's in there. Yeah. That, you know, sometimes I'm going, I'm like, what the hell is that? Something
3: that I've, I've told people recently is that, like anything, it's good to have separation between work and life. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, like, even on these conservation areas that I go hunt, like, MDC's limited on funds, and so they can't always keep up with all the things <laughs> that are going on on their land. The blessing is that they have a lot of it, a lot of land right but I'll be out hunting trying to enjoy myself and I'll stumble into this big nasty patch of honeysuckle olive whatever and I'm like, oh, ugh, like, I'm not hunting here this is disgusting like I gotta get out of here so dude, that reminds me of my dad. It's a blessing and then it's also sometimes like I wish I could forget every once in a while, but no, I get it it's I get it. it's fun. better it's better than it is bad i'm a,
0: I'm gonna wrap my dad out, but I got to tell this story. My Dad has done drywall for forty years, probably now at this point it's a long time, and the dude will be on vacation. <laughs> we'll get to the hotel, and the first thing you see my dad doing is in the phone book of the local place we're at, looking at different drywall companies and we're like what are, why why are you even looking?" He goes, "Well, you never know when you might need some help, so I'm looking at the drywall companies <laughs> <laughs> he's a crazy you know
2: man. and it's just funny because that that's dude. It. just... I mean, it's his passion. It really is. <laughs> he's he loves drywall yes. so much <laughs>
0: that he. I don't know do that, that he loves
2: it, but he's really good at it. Oh, that's he's, for sure.
3: No, he's particular. He's, he really picks it apart. Oh, he's, oh he's yeah, he I mean, sees the bad one. He w-
2: he would be considered a master drywall if yeah. the, if that's a thing yeah. for sure.
0: Especially his hand texturing. I mean, he does beautiful oh, yeah. work on ceilings with his hand. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So he's really good. But uh, anyways. Um, Dude, Dustin, we're excited to work with you, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, today's show was very informative. It's a great time to be doing stuff, so um, perfect time to announce it and have an awesome show on, on uh, winter work. Yep.
2: yep. So if anybody out there, like we said, wanted to get some of this going, give Dustin a call or an email and uh, talk to him and get the ball rolling.
3: Yep, have me out to be be your open book and uh, maybe, maybe make some of those uh, – plans happen yeah How yeah we'll i
2: mean here. and even if and i think we said it but even if you're not going to technically do the work a lot of people don't know exactly what they need to do I you mean, don't know what you don't right you, you don't right. know what you don't know so and i don't i don't think we want to get into pricing you can talk whenever somebody calls you you can go over that with them but i wouldn't think they would be that expensive to have you out there to put you
3: in the right direction right uh yeah, you're right. That's yeah. another thing that I've kind of thought about here in the past couple minutes. Especially you brought up the pricing. Yeah. Some of the stuff can get pretty expensive. Absolutely. Um, I mean, another thing that I can sure. help help with is getting you in the right conservation office, in touch with the right people. And there are funding opportunities out there based on certain criteria. Mm-hmm. You can't make too much money is one of them, but mm-hmm. uh, they they like to help people get conservation work on the ground. And I try to do things in a way that if I can, if it's doable, we'll still put a little bit of money in the pocket of the landowner. Right. Um if I can. It's not always doable. Right. It at least takes some of the financial burden out of it. Right, off of them and
0: they can still get what they need to get done done. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So
2: but yeah. So if you guys are thinking
0: about it. What he's saying is he will I've been wanting to say this for about fifteen minutes. Okay. He will (laughs) be your Huckleberry.
3: I'll be your Huckleberry. (laughs) See, he understands. (laughs) I get it.
0: He's not annoyed by my jokes yet. (laughs) All right. Anything else? I don't think so, Dustin. You got anything
3: else? No. I'm just glad to be here. Appreciate you guys having me on again. Yeah, absolutely.
2: We'll have you on in the future for sure. Yep.
3: Looking forward to it. So,
2: all right. That's it. See you guys.